Substance abuse affects more than just the person that uses them. It affects friends, family, work life, and marriages. When faced with a spouse dealing with such demons, how is one supposed to respond? I'm Brandy Bostic, and this is my friend, Jenny Street. I met her back in my college days when I was involved in the BCM. She was the BCM Associate Director, and I was just a student. But we kept in touch over the years, and now she lives in Virginia with her husband and two precious kiddos. So thanks for joining me, Jenny. How's the weather on the East Coast? No hurricanes? No hurricanes. We've had some great fall weather. Leaves are changing and falling and it's pretty nice here good deal I'm like changing leaves like what is that like <laughs> no it's pretty fun yeah well today we're going to talk about substance abuse and more specifically how it has affected you in your marriage when did you first learn that your husband had a problem with alcohol and drugs my husband has had a kind of a long time history of drug and alcohol abuse I knew about it before we got married, but at that time, it wasn't an issue, really. You know, it was, it was fine. There wasn't, you know, anything that I needed to worry about. Being naive to a lot of that life and trying to look over, overlook certain things. But like, yeah, just being accepting, like, well, you know, everybody's not. Has yeah. That. Yeah. No one's perfect. I mean, it's not overruling his life, so we can handle that. <laughs> exactly. But I knew it had got the best of him, and it let me, it left me with, not the best of him. Um, there were a lot of times that he was gone or angry, and the highs and lows of it were very stressful. I didn't really understand what was going on, and I didn't really want to see what was going on just because yeah. I didn't want the conflict. So, yeah. so when it started to come back out again, when he was younger, it was kind of there, but wasn't the big of a deal. But later it came out. Like, did it surprise you when it came out again? Like, it became a big deal. It surprised me in the sense that it had gotten as bad that I didn't really understand what to do. It was a gradual, fast snowball. I know it doesn't really make sense, but it was like, it was gradual, but I could kind of see it happening. And so I don't think surprise. I think it was more frustration that we'd let it get this far. Mm, Yeah. How long have you guys been married at this point when this started to happen? Probably about eight years, I would say, seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a long time. It's a lot longer than my two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I think that just kind of probably adds to the frustration. It did. It was, it was hard because we have two small kids and I was feeling very alone. At the time, they were three and six and it was, or, you know, probably more like two and five. I mean, it was something along those ages. And I was very much a single parent in a lot of times. And so it was hard to kind of find happiness, you know, in, in the marriage. Yeah. What was your first response to dealing with his addictions? And did you think it worked? <laughs> My first response was to just ignore it because I don't like conflict. Enneagram 9, didn't want to discuss it, didn't want to have to deal with it, and didn't want to confront what was happening. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. Just want to stand in now about it. Much. Yeah. yeah. I'm Enneagram 9 as well, so I, I understand. <laughs> how that works how did this process I mean being in it how did all of that make you feel 
I was angry. I was sad. I was confused. I was angry at him and I wasn't happy at all. Definitely understand all that. And probably even just a sense of betrayal as well. Yes, definitely. Definitely betrayal. When you're married to an addict, you're not their priority. Their addiction is their priority, whatever it is, whether it's food, drugs, alcohol, anything. Yeah. You're not the priority. And that makes you feel very less than in a marriage. And so it can make you angry and lonely. Um, did you fear how this was affecting your children? I did. Well, luckily they were they were young. My older, my son remembers a little bit more than my daughter. She doesn't really remember anything. She would cry a lot and she would not necessarily go to him mm-hmm. for comfort. And he sensed that, which made him upset. But, you know, it's hard when you're not around, you know. And then uh, my son was quiet and very sad a lot, you could tell. But then once my husband started recovery and has been in the recovery process, it was like a night and day change with my son. He was much more open, much more loving, much more wanting to be hugged and held. It was a big difference in seeing his response and how it affected him more than I had realized because I just thought he was a shy, quiet yeah yeah no so uh, wow what was the most discouraging part in dealing um, with the situation so the discouraging part was I didn't see any willingness on my husband's part to want to change you know I'd lie in bed at night by myself and I wasn't even able to cry because I just didn't care and that made it that makes it hard when you're supposed to be in love with your husband and want him to, to be there and have hang out with him and stuff but that was just Satan playing on my emotions to try to make me not love my husband was becoming an easy thing for Satan to achieve. And it led to a lot of other struggles for myself, like self-doubt about my worth, uh, stress eating, mm-hmm. Netflix binging, all of that was, it becomes an ordeal, you know, and it's, yeah. it's hard to, to overcome when you don't feel like you have the strength from your partner to help you. Definitely. Well, what kept you in the marriage? Like, did you guys get counseling or like what, what kept you in it? So several things kept me in the marriage. One is that I'm not, you know, I'm just not a big proponent of divorce. It's not something that I've, it's not a place that I come from. And so I wasn't looking to end the marriage, but I wanted to see if we could, you know, if we could work through it. We did try counseling, but until he was ready to get sober, I was like, well, this is just not going to mean anything if he's not even trying, you know, it's just going to be wasted money if he's, you know, it's just, I'm not going to believe anything he's saying if he's not trying to, to get clean and us go to counseling. But we have, we are still in counseling. It's still something that we do yeah. you know, every four to six weeks, you know, just we meet with a Christian counselor who was amazing. And, um, and we've been able to, to, you know, to just have that as a safe place for us to talk about things. Wow. Was there anything else that influenced you or like that encouraged you during this time? Yes. I read a lot of books. And so I see that there were a couple of books that really kind of stood out to me. I have a mentor at, at my church that I love and she's helped me through a lot of this ordeal. And she recommended the book Adorned by Nancy Wagamuth. And it's not really about addiction or anything. Like it. There are some parts of it that, have, that deal with addiction to, you know, all different kinds of things, not yeah. just drugs and alcohol, but other things. But anyway, it, it talks about being a spiritual mentor 
to, it's based on the, the book of the Bible, Titus chapter two, verses three and four, where we are to be role models. Older women are to be role models for younger women, you know, and that's something that I've, you know, I want to be, I want to, uh, you know, I've had so many people that I've looked up to as spiritual mentors in my life. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it as people who I want to be like, you know, you can always mentor someone and you can always be mentored. You're never too right. old or too young to have either role. That's kind of what I, I see. And so in order for me to do that, I knew that I needed to be faithful to what God was calling me to be in this marriage as mm-hmm. a wife. And so I knew that I needed to just, you know, stick it out and see what, what could happen and pray for my husband as well. Yeah. Was there anything else that you read? Yeah, I read another book by Lisa Turkist and it's called It's Not Supposed to Be That Way. And this book actually came out probably when I was more in the midst of dealing with all of this that I was going through a couple of years ago, but I was so scared to read it. I really did not want to read it at that time because I knew what she had gone through. And so I was really making, for some reason, I just waited to read it. And so I started reading it more towards the end of, or towards the beginning of his clean time. And it was like everything that I went through, she was very relatable in a lot of her words and things. A lot of what I was feeling she made me feel validated in what I was reading. Like it wasn't just me that was having to go through all of this, but it was also other people. And so one of the lines in Lisa's book said, or Lisa's book said, it's like, I knew that God was speaking to me because there was such a raw and familiarity to her words to know how I was feeling. Um, She has a section that covers Psalm 40 as well. One paragraph that really resonated with me was this, and I'm going to read what she said. And in your most private moments, you want to scream words you don't use around your Bible friends at the unfairness of it all. You, too, have memories that still hurt, realities that make you swallow back tears, heartache that pumps sorrow through your veins, sufferings that seem forever long. And you're disappointed that today you aren't living the promises of God you beg to come to pass. You're tired of the disappointment lingering a little too long and being a bit too hard. And that's just one of the paragraphs that I underlined in that whole book. It was, it felt really raw reading it though, mm-hmm. because I was there. Yeah. I was disappointed with the realities that I was facing. I knew that God was good. I trusted that he was in control and that he had an ending that I couldn't imagine. Yeah. I went to a, uh, an event that Lisa had several months ago and it was equally profound for me. Mm-hmm. It was, talked all about forgiveness. A lot of it had to do with what she went through with her husband, but it was powerful to hear how she talked about forgiveness and some things I haven't uh, really heard about through the church. And um, one was how like, there's different types or different phases of forgiveness. You can forgive the person in the action. And that's one thing. So, okay, I forgive that. The other part is forgiving the impact of what that was. And that's a whole nother ball game. And it was just refreshing to hear about that and how like you could say like, well, I'm not ready to move on. I'm still dealing with the hurt, but it's been covered by the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to let it rest in that. And that was very powerful to hear during that little event. So I'm glad you had those books to read. Was there anything else that your friends were saying to encourage you during this time? They've been there for me through a lot. And so I knew that I could trust them when I was confiding in them. This isn't something I wanted to go around and slander my husband making accusations or anything about stuff that he would never be able to recover from because, you know, that's, that's not what we want to remember. I don't want to remember at all. And I don't want people to just look at him and remember that because you want your husband, you want to be proud of your husband, you know, and I'm so proud of him. He's done an amazing job clean and sober for 16 months now. 
And it's just, you know, it's been an amazing almost year and a half that we've been rediscovering each other and the familiarity that we have with each other. But my friends were all, are all have, have had different reactions to, to the situation. Like everything that I was trying to, to talk to them about, they were either very direct, they were thoughtful, they were like, uh, well, I can't believe this is happening. You know, they were much yeah. on my side, like, no way. No way, yeah. Uh, or they, were, they wanted to pray for me. They, they listened. They cried with me. You know, it was like God knew who I needed at each time because there were times that I couldn't even pray. You know, there were times yeah. that I just didn't even want to pray and I just didn't care. But God knew that I needed them to help walk me through this. Yeah, that's him holding your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, or are things better now that he's clean and sober? Yes. So clean and sober, like I said, June 8th, 2019. So 16 months. It's been, I'll say it's been a great 16 months, but it's been a very much of a learning process, learning to trust again. Because yeah. once you lose trust, it's, it's hard to gain it back. Yeah. It wasn't something like it's taken me a solid year to really be able to trust him again. Yeah. And to be happy with him again. Yeah. And just have that softer feel to have with him. But it says in, in verse three of Psalm 40, it says, God put a new song in my mouth, one of praise. And I'm definitely singing his praises to watch my husband transform to be the husband and the father that he's always wanted to be has been such a blessing. And it's been such an inspiration to mm-hmm. me and to our family to have that. So. For me, I have a softer energy around him. I I just said that earlier, but to explain what that means is it means I'm not as stressed or as tense. I'm not worried about if the situation is going to upset him, whether it's the kids are too loud or work was too hard or, you know, something is setting him off. Uh, I'm not worried about, you know, something going wrong and that he's not going to react too harshly because as an Enneagram 9, as I mentioned, the peacemaker, you want everything peaceful. You want it to be calm and you don't want all the drama. And so to have the drama, it's disheartening for Mm -hmm. me. And I'm so happy to hear that for Matt and your whole family. I'm so glad that you guys are on that, been on the road of healing and you're just getting better and better with each other. How would you say that you grew closer to God during this long valley? Yeah. So trusting that God is going to get me through is, is huge. You know, did I have the permission to give up on Matt? I don't think I did. I didn't feel released from this marriage. There was no affair. There was no abuse. There wasn't anything biblical that I felt like, you know, I could get out of it. Although I was like, at times about done, you know, I'm like, where am I going to go with this? Or what's going to happen? How long is this going to last? When you're in the valley, you know, just because your husband's acting crazy doesn't mean that you can give up. You have to trust that God is there, trust that he's in control. Even though it's not supposed to be this way, it is what it is, you know, and and God's going to get you through it and you're going to learn from it. And I knew that God was still good and I knew that I could trust in him. He was not only my hiding place and my comfort, he was also holding me by my right hand. As it says in Psalm 73, you know, he's going to hold you by his right hand. And I felt, I felt like I was being carried through because there were times that I'm like, I can't do this. I just, I just don't know what to do. And so it was very comforting to know that I had Jesus to help get me through this. Yeah. Well, what would you say now to someone in a similar situation? 
that God loves us more than we can comprehend. God gives us the muck that he thinks we can get through. You know, there's things that there's no way that God's going to give me more than I can handle. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. God's going to get you through. He's going to give you what, even if you can't handle it, it's because he wants you to help, to ask him for help. Yeah. To be able to help you get through it. Yeah. Cause you might can not withstand it, but he can. He exactly. Can. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you guys have worked are working through this and that there's a happy ending to the story. I feel like people have gotten a chance to hear today a story of triumph, of redemption, forgiveness, and God's faithfulness. And I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation today. Well, thank you, Brandy. I'm super excited that we got to talk. And I know that, you know, faithfulness is something that is not easy for us sometimes to understand, but to know that God is faithful and that he's going to carry you through is exactly what people need to hear. I think they need to know that, you know, that he is faithful and that he will guide you through. My name is Jenny, and this is my story of the middle. Psalm 40, verse 2. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Brandy Bostic, and you've been listening to Up From The Muck Podcast. <laughs>